Greetings and welcome to Be Your Own Healer. I'm Jeanette Murray, and I'm so happy to be with you here today to talk about a subject that comes up very often in my work. So many people today are seeking that person they want to share their life with, that soulmate or twin soul, or just a compatible person to be with on this life journey. With the billions of people inhabiting this planet and the possibilities of connecting through social media, one would think the quest would be easy today, but it isn't. So many people are seeking but not finding or settling for someone who doesn't fulfill their dream or even come close to it. All too often, when someone thinks they've found that perfect someone, it doesn't go as planned. So the question is, how can I find the person of my dreams? I too have been through the process of seeking that special person probably more often than I care to admit. And I can honestly say, I don't have all the answers. I do know from working with others and seeing the ways in which people go about trying to find the right partner It's very common to make mistakes and fall short of your goal. This doesn't apply to everyone, but the fact that you're listening tells me you may be having a difficult time, or you may have experienced minimal success in finding the right person for you. It's normal to want to have someone special in your life. We're social beings and we're attracted to others for many reasons those who share characteristics with us, interests, hobbies, adventures, personal stories, backgrounds, those who make us feel important, loved, special, desirable, safe, or not alone. We're drawn to people who cause us to feel certain desirable feelings, whether it be love, comfort, understanding, or excitement. We tend to gravitate toward those who fulfill certain needs in us and those who feel good to be around, those who seem to vibrate on the same level that we do. Think about a person you've met and instantly you liked them or felt good to be with them. They sparked a feeling in you. Something about them was interesting and appealing. Or maybe something about them was something you admired which you felt you were lacking. I know in my teen years, it was the musicians and artists, the wilder boys, the rebels who stood out from the crowd because they were different. What I saw in them was something I wished I had more of. Thank goodness for maturity. Young love is very much a case of finding in someone parts of you that are unfulfilled. And sometimes people never advance past that stage of attraction. When we find someone who feels right to us, someone whose vibration harmonizes with ours or clashes with ours dramatically, in either situation, a force of attraction can happen. And we may find ourselves confronting a person who is very much like us or very different. It doesn't necessarily mean This is the person we want to be with or should spend time with or share a life with. 
It might just be a chance encounter. That only means you vibrated on the same frequency level at the same time, or you were lifted out of a state of vibration you didn't want to be in. Call it attraction, fascination, excitation, or a meeting of the minds, but it doesn't necessarily mean this is the person you are meant to be with. In fact, if you read more into it than is there and allow a relationship to develop, you may later find yourself asking, what on earth did I see in this person? Let's be clear about that chemistry that happens between two people. Attraction does not depend necessarily on personal appearance, personality, body size, wardrobe, body shape, professional or financial status. But some or all of these factors may play a role. I recall a professor I had in college. Everyone in class, including me, adored this man. He was heavy set, had buck teeth, and was balding. But he had a personality we all loved, and he made class fun and interesting. I think some students fell in love with the aging professor, and we all looked forward to his class and were sad when it ended. <clears throat> Sometimes it's a mystery how the process of attraction works. In the professor's case, he exuded kindness, had a sense of humor, and was a fascinating lecturer. Those were his magnetizing powers. Very often people come together because of sexual attraction and the relationship begins with a sexual encounter even before the couple knows each other. That's fine if sex is the only reason for building the relationship. The problem enters in when the couple wants more than just sex, but the foundation of the relationship was built on something superficial, on shifting sand, so to speak. I'm not putting down the power of sexual attraction. It's strong and compelling, but if that's all the foundation is made of, it's guaranteed to crumble over time because sexual attraction can change. Sex may become boring and routine. A better looking person may come along and libido tends to diminish with age in one or both partners. <clears throat> Some people think that meeting the right person happens totally by chance or it's due to luck or fate, while others think it's a certain magic that brings the right person into their life. Fairy dust, maybe. Some call it kismet, serendipity, synchronicity, whatever but it does happen in a magical sort of way sometimes. But here comes the spoiler. It doesn't mean that's the person of your dreams or the one you want to spend your life with. I know I sound like a joy whack-a-mole and I agree, but bear with me on this. If you're actively seeking the person of your dreams, it's important to know there's both a process and a mindset that can help you find the person you're looking for. There's no magic formula, though many people may advise you to the contrary, but it may not happen the way others tell you it will, and it may not turn out the way you hoped it would. 
Let me give you an example. <clears throat> Myra wanted badly to meet the man of her dreams. She went to parties, social gatherings, presented herself favorably on Facebook, was active on social media. She met men online on dating sites, and she dated them. She also made a point to flirt with good-looking men. Myra pulled out all the stops in her pursuit of the perfect male partner, and she met a lot of men. Unfortunately, none of them ever lasted. Even if initially she liked them and thought they might possibly be Mr. Right, she found herself backing out of the relationship or feeling let down by the men she dated. <clears throat> in our work together, we learned that Myra had a deep down fear of men that stemmed from sexual abuse she'd experienced at a very young age. So young, in fact, that she had no memory of it and didn't even know it had happened until a relative told her. It shocked her to learn this, but it never occurred to her that this might be the very thing blocking her from being able to love and trust a man. When Myra was able to free herself from the blocking beliefs and fears buried inside, she was able to find the man she was looking for and stick with him. <clears throat> Sometimes our earliest life experiences set us up for disappointment, and they recycle throughout our lives in our relationships. One person told me, I always attract the weirdos, and he was right. He learned that this pattern grew out of a deep-seated belief that he wasn't worthy, he wasn't lovable, and he wasn't attractive enough. Therefore, he didn't deserve a good, loving, attractive woman. Many people don't even know why they struggle or react in certain ways in a relationship. This is why it often helps to get professional counseling to work through these issues. <clears throat> Here's another example. Paul was attractive, ambitious, successful in his career, and yet deeply troubled he would never find the right partner and would die a lonely man. He went to gay bars, met a lot of men who were attracted to him, and he would date for a while, but either Paul or they would break off the relationship because it just wasn't working out. Paul attended seminars and read books about the art of manifesting what you want in life. He used his skills in many areas and was successful, but in relationships, he couldn't seem to get what he wanted. I asked him to think about why this might be happening, and he said, they get tired of me because I'm just too clingy. It all went back to his childhood when his father, <clears throat> whom he loved, left home never to be heard from again. Paul's whole orientation to love relationships was based on a fear of being abandoned. The pain of it was so great in his childhood that his subconscious mind worked overtime, protecting him from that ever happening again. In relationships, he became suspicious, jealous, and overly demanding. He wanted his partner to account for his whereabouts every minute of the day, not trusting him to be faithful. He often instigated arguments 
so he could tell partners to leave and not come back. He thought he was being assertive and getting his needs met, but deep inside, he feared they would leave, just as his father had. In time, Paul was able to free himself from this pattern and see love from a different perspective. He then met and began dating the man who became the partner he was seeking. Only this time he didn't cling or push him away, nor did he run from the relationship to avoid being abandoned. Earlier, I mentioned the process of manifestation. Many of us have been indoctrinated into the school of manifestation, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that people have been made to believe it's a surefire way to get everything they want. And I disagree. Manifesting doesn't always work and often leaves people feeling disappointed and frustrated. It reminds me when people are told to pray hard enough for something, and when that something doesn't happen, they're blamed for not having enough faith. I find this kind of messaging misleading, and the same goes for manifesting. Yes, I do believe we can alter the course of things through positive thinking, and we certainly can improve our lives and even our health with positive affirmations. But I've seen too many people who practice manifestation become disappointed and disillusioned when they don't manifest what they want, no matter how hard and how long they try. I personally went through a period of creating vision boards, doing visualizations, chanting affirmations, drumming up the feelings and emotions that put just the right amount of energy into my hoped-for manifestations. And yet, many times, I didn't get the exact thing I was trying to manifest. Sure, it worked for little things like finding parking spaces, but the bigger things, the more significant things, I wasn't all that successful in manifesting and I'd end up feeling I was doing something wrong. I even began to question whether the only people doing great at manifesting were those who were selling their books and seminars about manifestation. Now, if you enjoy working on manifesting, by all means do so. But I'd like to offer a different strategy. It's a good idea to have an idea of what you want but don't create the exact picture of what it is with all the details, right down to the shoe size and eye color. I know this goes against the manifestation manifesto, but think of it this way, and please pardon the analogy. Suppose you want to adopt a dog from the Humane Society, and you have exactly in mind the kind of dog you want, the breed, the size, the color, right down to the doggy's personality. Then you walk into the animal shelter, and there is a dog you instantly find adorable, but it's almost the complete opposite of your vision. You adopt the dog, bring it home, and find that it's the perfect pet for you. And also, the dog falls in love with you. You've found your perfect dog. Of course, I realize human relationships are much more complex. But because there are more variables in the attraction between two people, if we restrict ourselves 
to just one ideal picture of the perfect person, are we not limiting ourselves and leaving out a person who may be exactly what we need? There's also the problem of false identification. This is when you think you found the perfect person because they fit that picture you formed in your mind and they've met all the checkpoints on your list and you feel a strong attraction to them. There's even the excitement of believing you found that long sought after person, which only heightens your interest. But here comes the spoiler. There's one small detail you didn't account for. This person may not feel the same way about you. They may not feel the same attraction. They may not be available. They may not even return your attention. Sure, you may think they're the perfect person of your dreams, but are you the person of their dreams? Or are they even looking for the person of their dreams? I've seen where people have taken this so far to the extent of following the person tracking their movements, checking on where they go, where they eat, who they talk to, sending them texts or email messages, and planting themselves in places where they know they'll run into the person. The hope, of course, is that the person will notice them and want to get to know them better. Unfortunately, this leads to great disappointment and disillusionment when the pursuer realizes it's all been futile. The strength of your feelings may not be the best indicator that you found the right person. Why? Well, think of a movie star who really turns you on. It's just a feeling, right? You might even fantasize a little about the person. Imagine what it would be like to be with them. There's nothing wrong with that fantasy. But just keep in mind, it's just a fantasy. Just because you love everything about that person, it's not real. It exists in your mind. You're not going to quit your job and move to Hollywood and try to find that movie star. You're not going to waste your time chasing after a fantasy relationship. Because if you do, you're setting yourself up for great disappointment. Now, let's say you meet someone and you seem to be making a connection, and it seems right, and the person has met the checkpoints on your list. Yet, for some reason, there's something missing. You're not feeling completely happy or at peace with the relationship. This is when you want to trust your intuition. Ask yourself, what is it about this person that doesn't feel right? Is it something about them or is it something about me? Perhaps you don't trust yourself to pick the right person. Perhaps you've been disappointed too many times and don't want to go through that again. Or... Maybe there are signs telling you to beware. Let's talk about something I call red flags. Often these signals are right there in front of our eyes, and yet we either don't see them 
or we don't we explain them away and don't want to see them typical examples of explaining away red flags are statements such as he's like that because of his childhood she's that way because of her parents he's not comfortable around people that's why he's rude she doesn't want to commit because of her previous failed marriage He's insecure, so he doesn't always follow through. She's an artist, so she's a little weird. Well, these things may be true about the person. Stop and ask yourself, is this something I can accept and live with for a long time? Some red, red flags are obvious to other people, and yet the person who's wanting to be in a relationship refuses to see them. Here are some common indicators that trouble lies ahead. Being overly sensitive, taking offense at small things, being defensive to the point of becoming volatile at the slightest offense, Resisting authority to the point of not being able to even accept driving directions. Finding fault. Blaming others. Quick temper. Clingy or overly solicitous behavior. Jealousy disguised as a sign of true love. Surveillance and cell phone checking attempts to control the other person's behavior, dictating to a partner how to dress, wear their hair, or even how to walk, who they should or shouldn't talk to or hang out with, unwelcome roughness, encouragement to engage in behaviors that are risky or make you feel uncomfortable, pressure to engage in sex when you don't want to, Gaslighting, disparaging you in front of other people, complaining about past partners and telling you how you are so different as a means of controlling you. Criticism, verbal abuse, and lastly, physical abuse. I left this at the end because that red flag should never be tolerated in any relationship under any circumstances. It's pretty normal at first to ignore or explain away the red flags. Some of the common excuses are, oh, they're having a bad day, or they're going through a rough time, or they were hurt before, or they have trouble trusting, and they're sensitive, and the list goes on and on. When you find yourself making excuses a lot of the time, that is a warning sign. So it might be a good idea to sit down and write out what you want in a relationship. It's also a good idea to write down what you won't tolerate, what you don't want. If any of the already mentioned behaviors appear, let the person know you cannot and will not tolerate them. If that feels risky in a new relationship, just think how much worse it will feel when you've been in it for the long haul and those behaviors 
continue to bother you or even escalate. Depending on your level of independence or dependence, you may choose to accept or object to red flags. I've known people who can accept them because they don't want to lose the person or be alone. How much you choose to tolerate is entirely up to you. Yet here's another caution. When you think you've met the person of your dreams and you're actively working on creating and sustaining a relationship, stop and ask yourself, who's putting more effort into this? me or my partner. If you find yourself doing all the work, go back to your dream list and see if anything's missing. Unless you're a person who loves to give, nurture, serve, and take care of, you may want to have a serious discussion with your partner. I hear a lot of people say that relationships take a lot of work, and I agree. But I have to ask, should a healthy relationship require continuous work, continuous compromising, or giving in, or doing for the other person? If the burden of work involved in keeping the relationship going seems unbalanced, it might be time for a talk. Suppose you think you've succeeded in finding the right person but you still question, is this really the right person for me and how can I be sure? Relax, see what develops. Allow the relationship to unfold. We really don't know why two people are compatible and how a match is made. It's because of a lot of things. It's chemical, it's vibrational, it's karmic. It's meeting needs, it feels good, it's enjoyable. And it's not always what you think. Often, when you feel you're with the right person, it could be because you've been together in past lives. Okay, for those of you who don't believe in reincarnation, don't worry. You can always call it genetic programming. But have you ever had the experience of meeting someone and feeling an instant attraction as if you already knew them. There's a familiarity and a strong connection that you can't explain. The fact is, this is soul recognition. You really do know that person on a subconscious level. But again, this doesn't mean this is the person of your dreams. It means you got reacquainted with a familiar soul and that might be a good thing especially if you have karma to work out together, or it may not. In other words, if a karmic pattern exists between you and the other person, it may need to be resolved so you don't keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again. A very intuitive person once told me about her husband. I know we've been together many times and we really love each other, but we keep coming back to repeat the same mistakes. This is a perfect example of a karmic pattern begging to be resolved. Whatever the reason for being together, even if it's not the perfect relationship you wanted, 
It may be just the thing you need. You may have unfinished business together and lessons to learn. This doesn't mean it's the perfect relationship, but it may be the perfect one if you're going to work out and resolve past life issues. It's also important that partners in a relationship don't make changing the other person their mission. And this includes changing someone's spiritual or religious path. Just knowing someone and feeling instantly attracted does not necessarily mean you should come together unless it's to work through the karma that keeps you coming back together. But don't forget, there's also good karma that may bring the love of your life to you because you've enjoyed loving relationships in past lives and you've worked through all of your karma. Patience and problem solving are requirements of every, every relationship. There will always be strained moments and disagreements. Some couples throw in the towel too quickly and don't seek resolution when arguments or conflicts occur. And when I say conflict, I'm not referring to mental, emotional, or physical abuse. If you are with the partner you want to be with, you should never feel reluctant or afraid to express your opinions or speak your mind. If your relationship is to grow, you have to support each other. And there's something else I must mention, mainly because I've read appalling advice about it in dating columns. <laughs> the idea that you have to share everything with your partner. There must be total transparency, complete disclosure, if you're going to trust one another. And I disagree. Just because you love someone or are in love does not mean you have to pour your heart out and tell your partner all your secrets. That's not only unwise to do so, it's not fair to the other partner. And I'll tell you why. In the moment of love and intimacy, it may feel okay to disclose details about past relationships, even intimate relations. Your partner may even encourage such disclosure, but beware because in the future, when the moment of intimacy is over and when the rough patches come along in the way of arguments or disagreements, those secrets will be used against you. Intimately shared secrets seems harmless in the moment, but they will be weaponized later. Let me give you an example. Juan and Serena were madly in love, opening their hearts to one another and enjoying the freedom to talk about anything and everything that had ever happened to them. Some of the discussions were titillating and John was interested in hearing all the details of Serena's previous sexual encounters. He wanted to know how many lovers she had had, what things she enjoyed doing with them, and so on. It all seemed so innocent to talk to John about things she'd never shared with anyone, not even her girlfriends. She felt it brought them closer together. The problem came later when they began to have arguments over money and bills and the house, 
etc. During those arguments, Juan would throw at her accusations and caustic remarks about her loose past, calling her a slut and a whore who didn't know what real love was. Sadly, the relationship didn't survive these onslaughts, and they parted unhappily. No matter how safe and trusting it feels to disclose information in an intimate time in a relationship, revealing too much is never a good idea. And exercise caution whenever anyone tries to coerce you into revealing secrets, no matter how fun or innocent it may seem in the moment. Some things are better left private, intended for your knowledge only. There's no room for this type of communication, no matter what you read or hear about. But that's dishonest, you might say. So try to think of it differently. You're withholding intimate details of a time you shared with another person that do not belong in your present relationship. They will not be understood or appreciated by the person you're now with. In fact, they may lead to jealousy, insecurity, and distrust. Making the mistake of full disclosure has led to many a breakup and many a divorce. In this world where there's so much freedom of communication, it's harder than ever to meet someone. And why is that? I think it's because there's too much misinformation, too many so-called experts giving bad advice, too much social media portraying distorted views about relationships. It's fine to read books and listen to podcasts and consult astrologers and talk to intuitive counselors or therapeutic counselors and seek help if you need to overcome blocks to reaching your goals. If you need to change things about yourself, do so, but also use your own skills of critical thinking and discernment. Understand that the law of attraction works differently for every person. Yes, it's okay to be your authentic self, but if your authentic self is out of shape, shabbily dressed, and without the attractive qualities that draw attention, accept that and make a choice. Do I want to change or continue being just who I am even if it means being alone. People are attracted to people for various reasons, and people regard different qualities as either assets or liabilities. But I want someone to love me just as I am, you say. Okay, in an ideal world, that would be lovely. But we're living on planet Earth, and this is the 21st century. If you're interested in attracting someone who appreciates beauty and attractiveness and things that please the senses and good personality, you won't cut it wearing baggy sweatshirts and baggy pants, not washing your hair or trimming your beard or smelling like you haven't showered in a week and having a disgruntled nature. I'm sorry, 
But that's the sad truth. I've worked with too many lonely people who just want to be loved just for who they are and who find themselves very alone. The only human beings who are loved just for who they are are babies. I suggest that if you're striking out in the dating arena, then up your game. Do something different. A male bird doesn't sit on the fence hoping the female will notice him. No, he shakes his plumage and does his mating dance because that's him being authentic. If you're looking for the perfect person for you, stop right now and ask yourself, am I the perfect person for someone? What makes me perfect? Do I have any flaws that someone may have to get used to or accept or maybe not like? You may never find a person who fits all your qualifications, but you may find a very good, very loving and committed partner who's just right for you. It's important not to depend on someone else for your happiness or personal fulfillment. If you're already happy being independent, being single, it will take a partner who honors this and allows you to be who you are without changing that part of you that makes you happy. And listen carefully when you hear someone say that another person completes them because that implies they're not, they're not complete. They're incomplete without this person in their life. If you're not able to make yourself happy and complete, can you reasonably and honestly expect someone to do that for you? If you're trying to find the person you want to be with, don't settle for less than what you want and deserve. If the person you're attracted to still needs to see other people or be with someone else, Maybe, maybe even has a spouse. Don't hold out hope that if you wait long enough, this person will eventually come to you. Too many novels and films have been made about this sad topic. The bottom line is, be yourself, your best self, your highest self, your most attractive self, and believe you're worthy to have what you want. Let your light shine. Give yourself freedom to show off your wonderful qualities and accomplishments. Don't hide them for fear they may make the other person feel inferior. But don't make it all about you either. Because the right person for you has their own qualities and accomplishments. You have to believe you're worthy of love. That you're lovable. And you have to be open to giving and receiving love. And if you're doubting yourself or unsure of how to handle the whole dating scene, get some help. Talk to a counselor, join a support group, attend a workshop, listen to podcasts, read books, but do something to get you on the right track. It can be a fun experience brushing up your skills if it's been a while or learning for the first time how to date. Above all, love yourself 
if you expect someone else to love you. Be that person you want to find in another person. And if it takes time to find the right person, enjoy your independence. It's a time to learn about life and about yourself, to challenge yourself, to try new things and make new discoveries. Don't sit around lamenting your loneliness or feeling sorry for yourself. Live your life. Engage with people. Enjoy the time and freedom to do so. Above all, believe in yourself and your ability to find the person of your dreams. Who knows? That person may be in your life right now, and you just don't know it. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. There will be more coming on this topic because it's a vast one. Let's look forward to what adventures lie ahead. And if you'd like my help, feel free to visit my website at www.healwithjeanette.com. And that's Jeanette spelled with two N's. For now, take care. God bless and talk to you soon. Goodbye.